Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. So, Bo, the first song we want to talk about is Meet Me in Memphis. Well, I've been stuck in this Mississippi mud. Girl, it's really bringing me down. But I felt the car to call Harmon County. Got lost in this cotton-picking town. Meet me in Memphis.
am a huge Memphis song fan. There's been many songs. So, you know, you're, you're taking on some hallowed ground here. Indeed. Indeed. And that was a, a risk I was willing to take when it came to me. I actually made a playlist on Spotify of all the songs that I could think of that either had you know, allusions to Memphis or straight up said it directly, whether it was in a chorus or a lyric or anything. I'll have to send you that playlist at, at some point. But I almost didn't do it because of that, because it's such a common, you know, thing. Um, and, you know, it's a common source of inspiration for musicians. I was a bit nervous, admittedly, to enter my version into that mix. And I, and I almost didn't do it, but I finally just decided that it is a part of my experience. It's a part of my life. And I felt that it wouldn't be disingenuous to give one a shot. Ultimately, I'm, I'm glad I went with it. It's a song that means a lot to me. I think it turns out fun. And I, I actually think we did a good job of capturing a bit of a Memphis feel to it while still keeping it in the context of my record overall. So, so you talk about some legendary places. You know, I had to actually look them up, but I, sh I, I probably shouldn't have needed to do this. You talk about both Route 61 and Route 49, and the junction of those two roads comes up late in the song. Yep. I was holding on to that until the second verse. Yeah. So I spent two years living in Mississippi. I was about an hour south of Memphis. When I graduated college, I, I did a teaching program called Teach for America, where it basically takes recent college graduates and puts them in communities across the country that are in dire need of teachers. And I ended up in the North Delta. I lived in Cahoma County, which is the closest town is Clarksdale, which is, you know, a pretty pretty famous spot if you're a lover of the blues. There's a lot of history there and it is kind of like one of I'd say two hearts of Delta Blues. So I, I lived there for two years. I was sort of in the thick of it. And one of the tricky parts is 61 takes you from Memphis down into the Delta. That's historically, you, you always hear about 61. 61 intersects with Route 49. And that is where the legend has it that Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil. And I lived less than a mile from that intersection. The so-called crossroads. The so-called crossroads, exactly. Which we've I went down to the crossroads. Exactly. Got down on one knee, right? And my version of that, I was romanticizing it a bit because the song is, a, is about a long-distance relationship I had with my then-girlfriend turned fiancé, now wife. In the song, I, I romanticized it a bit by taking her to the crossroads and proposing to her there. That didn't actually happen, but it was my sort of romantic version of what could have been and trying to pull together the elements of where I was at that point of my life and at that point in my relationship. So where did you propose to her? Uh, <laughs> ultimately, I proposed to her, well, you're familiar with New England, on a hike in, what is it, Talcott Mount, Mountain in Connecticut? A mountain is a bit of an overstatement. It's more of a, a hill, but it was about a three-mile hike about 10 or 15 miles from where my wife grew up. I proposed to her at the top of that little hiking trail. That was something she was familiar with as a kid and something I had grown familiar with just from visiting her and her family over the years. That actually sounds a little more romantic than the crossroads of Route 49 and Route 61. I mean, what is at the crossroads of Route 69 and 40? So there, there's it's actually interesting because there's there's two 
<laughs> alleged cro- points where those roads cross. Um, and the one where some would argue is like the true crossroads is in Lula, um, which is right where I lived. But the marker that is more commonly known is um, right in Clarksdale. And at that marker, the glorified marker is an Abe's barbecue, which is if you're ever in Clarksdale, Mississippi, definitely recommend it. Um, And there's um, a sign that commemorates it. The lesser known intersection, I'm probably going to have some true blues enthusiasts really come after me for this, but I believe the proper true place where 61 meets 49 is up towards Lula, where I was living. Which again, this is only about 15 miles from the other marker, but there's a little bit of a discrepancy, I feel like. So I had to look up a lot of this stuff, and not far from there is the Blue and White Restaurant at Tunica Square. So you say, we'll throw dice under those Hollywood lights just past the Tunica Square, yeah. piss away the night, then hit the blue and white. Yep. Love your internal rhymes throughout your songs. Yep. Now, the blue and white is the number two ranked restaurant on TripAdvisor out of 44 <laughs> in Tunica. And looks like an awesome place to go. It's awesome. Me. Yeah. So it um the Blue and White Diner is right on 61. If you're dri- if you're ever driving from Memphis to Clarksdale, um you go through Tunica. And Tunica is about 20 minutes from the house that I was living in at the time. But Tunica gets a big shout out in the song because it's in between Memphis and where I was living. And at the time, my then girlfriend, when she was coming to visit, she would of course fly into Memphis. That's where the meet me in Memphis comes. And I would drive up to Memphis after a school day on a Friday afternoon and pick her up. And we would drive down 61. And the first time we did that, we stopped for a night and we stayed at the Hollywood Casino in Tunica. Tunica is one of the Delta towns that depending on how you look at it, either benefited greatly or suffered mightily from the arrival of casinos. There's a ton of casinos in Tunica, and I think some of them have since closed. But the first trip she ever took, I picked her up in Memphis. We drove down and stopped for that Friday night at the Hollywood Casino. (laughs) Very romantic. We stayed there the night and we went to that diner, Blue and White, which was a spot that I went to frequently with friends while I was living because it was such a part of what I was experiencing regularly, I wanted Lindsay to see that on our first trip. So we mixed all that in on her first trip down. But blue and white, if you're ever making that drive, it's impossible to miss because you'll you'll literally drive right by it. That drive on 61 from Memphis to Clarksdale, which you can then continue your journey down to New Orleans if you so choose. It's a two-lane highway, two to four-lane highway. And I put highway in quotes. You can't see me putting them in quotes, but it's a road. It is a long, very straight road. (laughs) And the Blue and White Diner is impossible to miss. You know, I really think you made the right call not proposing at the Blue and White or the Hollywood Casino or the Crossroads there, Bo. I think you're a wise man, Lindsay, you know. (laughs) Your odds of closing were higher the way you did it, I think. And, and I was still able to romanticize it in song. <laughs> and and that, that's probably better served there. Yeah. So this is the first song we're talking about, but yeah. I have to say the production values on this album are exceptional and so pleasing. And there's so many layers of sound, especially different types of guitars and mellotrons and... 
yeah. steel guitars and acoustic guitars and and your producer and sometimes co-writer on some of the songs yeah is brian douglas phillips yes he's fantastic he's a master and he does all this from his home studio with a i call him a cast of musicians two guys jacob hildebrand and um drummer fred manduano just as a unit i mean it, it it almost feels like you're getting more than one producer because you have those three minds on it all at once they know each other so well both personally and musically that they really know where to take a project and it's pretty awesome that process is also seamless and and very fun and they make it interesting for sure so they call that rattle trap audio in austin texas it's a home studio in austin texas that they've been making music out of for over 10 years brian just celebrated the 10-year anniversary of a little ep that did very big things for an artist named david ramirez who has certainly become a bit of a legend <laughs> over the last 10 years it seems at least in my in my universe someone whose songwriting is just fantastic and you know the music matches and it's so Incredible to think that projects like that came from that place and they're still doing it 10 years later. And it's been pretty awesome to sort of join that fold in some small capacity and to join, join the ranks of other songwriters that have, you know, created music in that space. So my esteemed and legendary recording engineer, DJ Wyatt Schmidt, he and I were looking at the picture of the studio, and we didn't realize it was a home studio. And DJ Wyatt Schmidt says, Oh my God, look at that equipment. He's got an incredible setup there. Yeah. And so you would not know that this is not a professional studio. He's the real deal with the real equipment and the real goods there. A hundred percent. And it's all in one room. There's a vocal booth in the corner, but everything else is, you know, all just pulled up and set up and jammed in tight, but it works in the most beautiful, perfect way. So you start this off with a nice acoustic guitar and you go into some sort of, is it the Mellotron or Steel? I believe that's Steel. The keys are pretty prominent in that song. They do a lot to sort of lift and carry things. And, I, and that's something that's consistent throughout the record and definitely noticeable from right out of the gate in this song is one of the things I admire about Jacob on guitar so much is that everything is so nuanced. Like, you know, I've watched him sit and twist knobs and pluck one string for 45 minutes to get the sound right. And you think it seems so ridiculous until you hear the final little note stand out in a final recording. And you're like, that's why it's worth the time to chase those little things and not get too caught up in trying to make bigger sounds when you don't need them. That's something I'm grateful for. It's awesome to work with people like that who have an appreciation for their craft at such a detailed level without needing to go over the top or dive in too heavily when it's not necessary. And, and the same can be said for Brian as a steel player. He's a phenomenal steel player. And I, I think one of the things that always stands out, uh, people have mentioned to me, even when he's joined me for shows and stuff, is that everything again i'll use the word nuance is like it's just felt not necessarily heard right that's something consistent i think throughout the record whether it's jacob's guitars or brian steel quite frankly even the way fred approaches things on drums is like unless it's entirely meant to be nothing's in your face and as a drummer i think that's that's like a 
magical quality to be able to sink in so unobtrusively. So this is a love song to Lindsay. How did she react when you played it to her the first time? About how I expected. Lin- Lindsay is very in control and she, she she very rarely gives away too much even if it's a song I've written for her. She's pretty well guarded when it comes to that. So I've never gotten like some crazy emotional response from her at least outwardly or openly. But this, I think she has said to me several times, is her favorite song of mine. And I think that is the case, probably because of the same reason it's one of my favorite songs, is it really documents a very important part of our lives. And you know, it's a pretty detailed account of that place where I was living that she got to visit probably more than she wanted to. But, you know, we were in a long distance relationship for a long time. So it started when we were still in school. She was a year below me. So her junior year, she studied abroad. So that began our long distance relationship. So that whole semester, we were apart. That whole summer, we were apart. And then I had graduated and moved to Mississippi for two years. So that was another two years that we were apart. And then when I completed my two years of teaching, I moved to New York in an attempt to get a little bit closer. She was living in Connecticut after she graduated. So to get a bit closer, I moved to New York. But again, that was another six months where, I mean, we were four hours apart, but we were still apart. So all in all, it was probably about three full years of being together, but living apart. And through all that, I don't think I had ever really captured a long distance relationship in a song. I thought this would be a fun way to kind of tackle that, but at the same time, just really document a place where I lived. I've said before that the song is just as much a a love letter to the Mississippi Delta as as it is to Lindsay because it really digs into some of the details of the things that I'll remember from that place forever. Well, you know, if you hadn't shared with us the Lindsay inspiration of the song, you wouldn't necessarily know that it is a love song to a girl as much as it feels like a love song to the birth of the blues and the Mississippi River and this sort of musical hotbed of sound, Memphis, of course, being part of that. Did you guys go out in Memphis on Beale Street? And- we we did the whole thing. We d- we stayed at the Peabody. So she said, enough with the Hollywood Casino. You're taking me to the Peabody on the next trip. If I'm coming down again, you know, we don't need to go to the blue and white again. You're taking me to, to Beale Street and the Peabody. Is that how it went down? Yep. More, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> I have been so disappointed by the significant other's reaction to songwriters' songs. I had this romantic notion that they would somehow break down in tears and and profess <laughs> eternal love when they heard a love song like this. And and I have yet to have that happen on the show. It's like everyone's like, nah, she's kind of like she knows her right songs. And that's kind of interesting and comforting to hear and somewhat vindicating, but it also makes total sense, right? You find a partner who's, you know, not going to gush over every little thing you do, right? You you want someone who can appreciate it, but is also a critic and also just appreciates you for what you do beyond your music or anything like that. Over the years, I've rather quite appreciated her being a tough cookie to crack when it comes to writing songs, because, you know, you mentioned the hockey thing previously, and I like to think as much as I say to myself, I'm not very competitive anymore, or at least I'm not when I'm 
playing beer league hockey. There's still, you know, in my blood, some competitive spirit. And I think some of that comes out when I'm writing a love song and I'm trying to, this will be the one that'll get her. And when it doesn't, I go, well, damn, back to the drawing board. I'll have to do it again. (laughs) Well, it's good to know that she thinks of Bo Armstrong as more than a hockey playing songwriter. Exactly. And at the end of the day, I think that's pretty important. So I'm grateful for that. This is sort of a random piece of songwriting advice I got from a very random place, but probably 20 years ago when I recorded my first little handful of demos and called it a CD. I don't, it was never even online. It was old and I don't think it ever made it to any streaming platforms or anything because I didn't put it there. Um, but at any rate, it was the first thing I'd ever recorded. You know, I was sharing it with my family and my aunt who is a classics professor who I thought would have no interest whatsoever in my songs, you know, insisted on listening to it. So I sent her a copy of it and she like critiqued it, which, which like completely like, I was like, oh boy, that was, this is more than I was bargaining for, but I'll remember this forever. One of the critiques that really stood out was you need to give these songs a sense of place. And 16, 17 year old me didn't really know what to make of that, but it had a big impact on me because I thought, I think I thought about it for the next 10 years living in a place like the Mississippi Delta. You're obviously in a very important place and it's very hard to capture those things in a unique and special way, which is why I don't think I was ever able to do so when I was living there. But after I had moved away, I got this meet me in Memphis idea it hit me pretty quickly that that could be my opportunity to write about a place and to give a song a serious sense of place. That's what I was going for with that song. And I think it worked out. You know, all of those details are things that if you've driven down 61, you'll notice. And that was very much my life for two years. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 